It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this ninth day of March 2017. We're here with our co-host, Jay Basser. And today we're going to do a little bit of something different. We're hoping to get uh, some call-ins from, uh, you know, if you've had some experiences with the BA, uh, whether some are positive and some may be negative. Uh, But uh, we'd like to have you call in and tell us a little bit about them. And... uh, We'd sure love to hear from you, and this let other veterans have an idea of some of the experiences you might come across dealing with the VA, whether it's with the medical side of it or the uh, claims uh, portion. But anyway, our call-in number is 347-237. Four eight one nine. Now that call in number once again is three four seven two three seven four eight one nine. So uh, and and once you you get in there, hit number one, and it'll put you in the queue with us. Uh, John, how are you doing today? Buddy, I'm just sitting here taking it easy, just relaxing and listening to this fine piece of radio art sponsored by Hadit.com. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, this is uh, we haven't done this type of show before, so it's something kind of new, and and uh, it gives a good opportunity to possibly learn something here. <laughs> yeah. You know, we well, can all learn something. Well, the membership, you know, they want to call in, we're wide open. You know, we got yeah. the clipboard right in front of us. When it lights up, we'll put them in. Well, that's right. Uh, yeah. We'll keep an eye on that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I think we can discuss some VA news while we're waiting on the call of the old girl. Well, well, yeah, we got plenty of VA news. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm uh, still... new secretary. Yeah, I still got my fingers crossed, my hopes up, and, and we'll give yeah. him all the support we can here uh, till he shows us otherwise. But, uh, you know, he just got this job going, and... Uh, from what I've read, John, he seems like uh, he's uh, pretty receptive in this, uh, uh, what is it, uh, you, you can uh, go to outside doctors and hospitals. Uh, is that what well, you're, the take you're getting on him? What I'm getting at and what I understand is the VA come out with a choice program, uh, couple of years ago based on the, the scandals at the Phoenix VA, you know, they were they were cooking the books and showing the masses and the powers to be that veterans were being seen on time so the employees could get their greedy pockets full of bonus money. And uh, the actual case was veterans were not being seen on time and some of them actually died and there's this uh, whistleblower that came out and popped that story and uh so that's one issue, and uh, that that caused Congress to start holding a bunch of hearings. Next thing you know, you got the VA Choice Program. So then the VA commence says, okay, you got to live within so many miles of the VA, and and then you got to have you know be out 30 days before you can go see a regular doctor in Choice Program and pay for it. So. They started manipulating that system, and they started putting the mileage differences in the 
from where you live to the VA, they started going to see you. You have to go down Main Street, backtrack on 2nd Street, up to 4th Avenue, down that way. That's the, let's see, that's four miles when actually you live 32 miles in the VA. And they started going as the crow flies. That's one of the changes. But uh, from what I understand, Dr. Shulkin is uh, wanting to eliminate the mileage and, and that stipulation for the mileage and yeah. eliminate the 30-day period. So if a veteran needs to seek help outside the VA, he, 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 you know, he is at leisure to go. And uh, I'll tell you, one good example of that program, if you live, like, for example, I live with about five miles from my VA. Yeah. If I, I've got to have certain. I've got to have a certain procedure done, and they don't do it. This VA, you have to go all the way to Huntington, West Virginia, to have it done, which is oh, that's over two hundred some miles. Mm-hmm. So you think about it, yeah. So I think about well, why don't I just use a choice card and have a doctor right downtown to you know? How'd you do with that's that? That's what. Uh, you just have to get on them. You know, that's that's. I'm not going to drive to Huntington, West Virginia. Well, I don't blame you. That's a pretty expensive run. Because that procedure, you got to have a driver. And once you have a driver in that procedure, you know you have to have you, you're you're inconveniencing two people, not just one. Yeah, that's and true. I think that's you know that should be a you know. I'm pretty sure I'll get denied, but that's okay because uh, we'll beat that denial as we always do. You know, I don't call it the denial letter. I call it the inconvenience letter to me. Cause I like I, I like getting denied. Put my boxing gloves back on, start throwing punches. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, you know, it's still a hassle. Uh, yeah. Poor, poor veterans shouldn't have to go through. Uh, well, they shouldn't. You know, I mean, if you're not offered service at a VH you need, then they ought to have to pay the outside world to fix it, to, to give you the service. Because the time they pay you mileage to the other VA and all this other stuff, you probably save money in the long run to have it done locally. Yeah. And uh, so it's just, you know, because, you know, services and things like that are a little more expensive, but still. You know, I think I'd rather have it done on the outside. But somebody does a lot of them, not but one person does them every seven months, you know, every eight months. Yeah. So, then uh, there's another issue I've been reading about uh, that could be possibly changing is the Agent Orange presumptives. The rumor has it, and what I've been seeing out of D.C., is there is a possibility that hypertension will be an added presumptive to the yeah. Agent on the phone. And, uh. Well. I believe you're having some weather issues, ain't you, Jim? Yeah, I can't reach it. It's not at all. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. That's nice. We got, uh, storms going on all around us. So. Yeah. Any tornadoes? Uh, tornado warning. Hmm. Yeah. That's what you call. That ain't coming to your county, though, is it? Huh? That ain't coming down to your place, is it? Uh, I don't know if they're including us. They was included, but... Well. We went to monitor the situation. But, that's on the, you know, if we add the application to the presumptive trade in orange, that's going to open up a lot of people. Yeah. Got hypertension. Unfortunately, even goes hand in hand with heart disease. Because chemical heart disease is already a presumptive, so, you know, that's what calls them hand in hand, hand in hand. And,. He's got some other lines, other changes going on. We'll see how it goes. You know, first, I'd give him the next two or three months to see what happens. Well, you know, uh, I think hypertension should have been included a long time ago in the exposure mm-hmm. to Agent Orange. 
But didn't they yep. classify it as a secondary? No, it'd be a primary. Uh, it'd be a primary presumptive. You can get a secondary issue, but if it's a primary presumptive, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah. In pretty good shape. So you have to check and see. Have, you know, but I don't think that uh, <clears throat> I don't think uh, you know it, it'll work out. I believe pretty much. Mm. Well, you got lucky, girl. There's I got lucky. There's a tornado symbol bearing down on the cops here right now. Ooh. I'm too easy to have you. That's not good. Yeah. I don't like them tornadoes anywhere. (laughs) They suck. (laughs) (laughs) Don't like that vacuum cleaner I got. They suck. (laughs) They suck. You got that right. They suck big time. So what have you heard about uh, Mr. Shulkin? You see anything going on with him? Uh, No. Not a lot. I've read a little bit. Uh, I know he was uh, seemed to be behind this uh, hypertension uh, for veterans, Vietnam veterans, mm-hmm. or exposed to Agent Orange, which uh, I think now, John, uh, they appear to be more uh, understanding of the fact that possibly Vietnam wasn't the only place they used Agent Orange. And, of course, uh, that's been proven up with with, uh, uh, several veterans uh, that's got... uh, uh, Agent Orange awards. Well, I look at it like this: they use Agent Orange in a lot of places, and I think that since they did use it in Vietnam, and they located it, you know, they're trying to get the foliage off the trees, and they sprayed their troops with it. People been exposed to it. That's more a quantity of a higher concentration of Agent Orange. So if it's had a higher concentration, those diseases are more likely to affect those people who are exposed to a massive doses of it. However, I don't think you've done enough study on the results of the disease. Yeah. pertains to the use of Agent Orange. And what that entails is we really don't know what the levels of effects of certain long-term exposure really means. Whether you were exposed for two years in the jungles of Vietnam or ten years being a game warden at Fort Jackson or wherever it is, spraying it on the we- on the pond weed, you know? Yeah. So, they're splitting hairs. And they love to split hairs. Like mustard gas, Drew, you ever heard of the term full-body exposure? Yes, I have. Does that mean you got to uh, open the 55 gallon drum mustard gas and jump in? No, that don't mean that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, no, if you were in field trial test, uh, mm-hmm. that's classified as a full body exposure. Now, how and if you were in a a uh, remember how they uh, everybody had to go through that sarin, uh, not sarin the gas uh, chamber. Yeah, it's the tear it, gas chambers all over. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, what what's it called? CS or something? Yeah, it's just tear gas. Yeah, just tear gas. But yeah. uh, they did some testing with. Uh, 
mustard agents with that too. And, Similar. And, uh, okay, I can see that. Yeah. So, uh, uh, if you was in the field test and uh, chemical test, and they use yeah. mustard agent. That's classified as a full body exposure. Then they had these incidents where they uh, put a drop of their or a mustard agent on your your wrist. Yeah. And uh, of course it monitored your wrist. Yeah, usually it left a scar. And uh but uh, any time he was involved in any field test, uh, that's classified as full body exposure. That's according to your what M twenty one. Yeah, now are they, what are they what are they regulating field tests? Are they talking about actually testing the material itself and manufacturing, or are they talking about testing on the troops? That's where they're trying to split hairs. With you. Well, they. Uh, <clears throat> In the case of the Project 112 Shad, they were actually testing the troops. And uh, Dr. Spinlove, who was supposedly the medical doctor over the, the test overseer, uh, he testified in front of Congress, because I've got his testimony, uh, his t- the transcript of the testimony, and uh, he made it clear that yes, uh, the troops were used as guinea pigs. So therefore, as far as uh, trying to prove up full body exposure to anything, especially if you were land based test, I can't say much for this. Shad testing, but uh, you know they. I'm sure there were several ships uh, that were involved in that that uh, could probably, uh, without a doubt, prove up full body exposure. But uh, if you were in the land-based test, it well, uh, I think it's I mean, easier. A little common sense comes into play here, Gerald. You know, if they used it, they sprayed it, you know, and you were exposed to it, and they were testing it as a to see the effects, I guess, of what it would have on people. And But on the shipboard test itself, I guess they sprayed this stuff on the ship, but the ship has something that uh, that land-based people don't have. If you're on board a ship and, uh, you know, you get stuck in a nuclear environment or something like that or a chemical shot... What they do is they shut the doors, turn off the ventilation, turn on turn on this big pump, and it pulls seawater up through these pipes and flushes the whole ship. Oh, so okay, it. yeah, yep. they had more or less mm-hmm. a, a cleaning process that they could go right. through. Uh, that would certainly cut down on the severity of the exposure. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah. if they had a filtering system, which I would assume most ships did, because yep. being in a a ship uh, and you you got into a uh, combat situation, you you really don't know what uh, the enemy is going to throw at you. It could be. Lead balls or big canisters full of chemical weapons. Um, Could be. Yes, it sure could be. So in that respect, they had to have, I mean, only common sense would tell you (laughs) that you better have a means of filtering the air as well as, like you say, wash down sections of the ship that were exposed. So I don't know exactly how they all did you can it there. Just do a computer search. You can just but, do a computer uh, search for Navy ship washdown, and you can yeah. see what they do. Yep, they can make it rain on top of it. I bet they can. Yeah, I so bet they can. 
But you guys couldn't do that in Alaska, see? You, uh, you know, oh, you no, no, no. Uniforms and, you know, you then, the, you know the, way, the way the wind blew, and uh, there were a lot of variables. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, as I think back, and and I had even a uh, environmental specialist write a report on it. You know, and he said by today's standards. Uh, what they did then was actually criminal. <laughs> you know, yes, people would be going to jail. Yeah. Of course, it's getting. Of course, that happened back in the sixties. Now and it's in 2017, so a lot of folks uh, either involved or actually was mastermind behind this thing. I'm pretty sure they're part of the Six Foot Under Club. You know, they didn't serve the day. Well, yeah, yeah, we've lost a lot of personnel. Yeah. I think in the land-based test I read where totally there was only about 100 and some. Uh, yep. And, uh, of course, in the shad part of it, the Navy part, they had four or 5,000, maybe six. The total was over, over about five, almost 6,000 people. Yeah, but, uh, you know, and that's what they admit to. We we've all come to the conclusion that the numbers could be quite higher than that. Uh, yeah, but you you know that's that makes any sense. You got thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Vietnam veterans out there getting benefits, uh-huh. and you got a lot of Navy veterans who got the benefits denied from the Blue Water Navy, but. There's only that small number of people that were involved in 112 and Shad. Uh, I think the was should have already been in play, and you guys should have already been getting paid for your ailments. There you should know, be that's a small some number. Uh John, because yeah. it, it, you know, there's been enough veterans go in with the the same type of ailments, which I assure you will be. Uh, Hypertension, uh, respiratory. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing. Yeah, with some of the same ailments. I mean, you couldn't help but come to a conclusion that this group of individuals uh, uh, were seriously affected. It don't matter, it took so many years to manifest itself. A lot of it. Yeah. Uh, manifest itself early on, uh, but uh, the veterans, uh, if you called in or said something about uh, whatever uh, project you was on, uh, they would say you was crazy. They denied it. They denied it up until, what, 2000? Uh, but they denied it, kept denying it because that was classified. Yeah, and parts of it is still well, classified. I hope so, we get that released pretty soon because it don't need to be. It don't need to be classified. You're absolutely right. That's 50, that's, that's 50 and 60 years ago. And uh, yeah. But uh, they claim it's all declassified, but when you send for particular report or something, uh, they'll come back that it's classified, or if you get it, it's so heavily redacted that that you, it's impossible, you know, there's yeah. nothing there. Well, I mean, they got the way to get out of that stuff. I mean, they, you know, they know how to cover their butts in a situation like that. What they ought to have done is, uh, just when, when they came up with the idea, they should have thrown them in jail. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons of capital uh, step. They realized, and I think they even knew at the time, I think they just ignored it, that uh, they were in violation in a lot of areas. They were in a violation of the Geneva Convention. And, uh, and the Civil Rights Act. Well, yeah, there's several 
I believe uh, uh, crimes against humanity could probably fall in there. Um, because they were sure uh, uh, haphazard in a lot of the things they did. Mm-hmm. And not only the agent, uh, not only that, but some of the agents they were using, more than likely, uh, was not even legal to use. Period. <laughs> Well, they do what they want. Whatever they can get away with, uh, you know, they're the ones with all the data, so how's a poor veteran going to come along and prove up his his claim? He can't get his hands on the documentation. That's because most people that were involved in that aspect ever did. A lot of them are deceased. Yes, they are. Uh, in the land base as well as uh, the Navy. Uh, there's a lot of Navy personnel. Some of them ships uh, got hit pretty hard. Uh, so. It's crazy. Yeah, it it's is. It's crazy, I tell you. But, you know, VX and nerve gas and mushroom, you know, that's. Pretty serious That's stuff. dangerous stuff. Any one of them. On you know, you know. Yeah. Regardless of how minute the exposure is. Well, yeah, just just a whip of it's enough to get you. You don't believe me? Look what happened to Kim Jong-un's brother last couple weeks ago. Well, yeah, they made quick, quick yeah. work of him, didn't they? Made the excellent uh, bird. Except they used two two agents together, one of them, and it wasn't deadly till they mixed together, which then it it didn't take but a second to get him. Yeah. That's what they do. Well, I got news for you, Gerald. We've got a caller. We have a caller. Well, caller, by golly, are you you in there with us? John, Stacy, and Gerald, this is Bill Sheka, Cap Contaminate. Good well, evening. Well, by golly. Uh, well, welcome Captain aboard, Captain Bill, or Captain we're Bill. Let you an- we're going to let you answer the million-dollar question on this show, there, Captain. <laughs> what do you think of the VA? <laughs> <laughs> Well, be nice. Don't man. mean to put you on the spot either. <laughs> yeah. Don't make I believe the, up. I think the biggest problem we have in the VA sits in the regional offices is decision review officers and service center managers. I believe and have believed for at least 10 years that the actions they do is both criminal, against the law, illegal, and they should be not only ashamed of what they're doing, they should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. End of story. That's a pretty strong answer. That's pretty yeah. strong, Bill. Yeah, that's um, good. Um, only with veterans dying does it make a cloud hang over those regional offices when they allow veterans to die. And scandal after scandal comes out of the regional offices, and we see, uh, just like my buddy got sick, we couldn't get a C file, we couldn't get a decision on any of his claims, and he died from the same stuff that I'm exposed to, and he ended up dying. His wife is not able to collect her widow's DIC pension, even though they're John, we've talked about this. There may be a way to do it, but it's certainly going to be a long battle, and this is not right. We live in a country that's supposed to be representative of law and order, not chaos and disorganization. And you can only use the the claim that, well, we're doing the best we can, and when I go to the 
VA morning report, and I see that they've got a 93% accuracy rating on their decisions and that the claims they only have, I forget what it was, 400,000 total claims and all this. I look at that and I want to throw up because it is such a lie, it's deception, and I blame Congress. Congress could do something and they won't. And poor Dr. Shulkin, mark my words, Dr. Shulkin is going to be a sacrificial lamb just like Eric Shinseki was. And they, these are good people, good men. And they have no clue what's going on in these regional offices. That is a secret place. It's almost as secret as the CIA. And I wish, I wish the WikiLeaks would break into their computers and find out the inner office memos and talks that are going on in those computers so that we could really see the criminal activity that goes on in these regional offices. You can't continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over again and have the Board of Veteran Appeals, which has its own set of problems, and those people need to be held accountable, when they keep remanding claims back to the regional offices, and it's been done a thousand times, the same mistake they've been told to correct, they pick the next veteran up and they do it again. And it's a brand new ball game every time they do it. What does that tell us? A veteran has no due process. That's the first thing on the board that needs to be addressed. So, uh, I don't know. Am I hitting? Am I hitting a nerve? What do you think, John? Gerald? Well, <clears throat> Bill, I just didn't realize it was all that bad. I. I think uh, have you tried calling your congressman? Yeah. I've had him involved. You have to have a I tell you, you have to have a congressman involved every time you go to a C and P examination that is a contract company such as QTC or Veterans Services Incorporated or the, uh, any of the others that they send you to. If it's outside of the VA, you're not getting a copy of that C&P exam unless you go to your congressman and have them get it for you. And you have to do it because if you don't get a copy of that C&P exam, then the, the, these bureaucrats in the regional offices, these little criminals, will deny your claim because it, they'll say that it is not valid and non-probative because you didn't have your complete C file. You didn't have the whole file. It was not uh, listed by you. Yeah, they get it, and they control it. Yep. They don't want you to have it. Am I right or wrong, John? Yeah, you're right. They like to twist it, buddy. That's called a spin. They'll spin it. Yeah, I've... They love uh, it, you know. They sit there. They got, they got a top attorney office that keeps on the floor, and the next want to get one of them CMP exams, then they put on top that top level up, start spinning that top to see when what stops. Yeah, and I have yeah. had ex- excellent. <clears throat> I have had some of the best CMP exams. I've had some that would absolutely blow you away. That were not only for me. They went in there and dug deeper and put stuff into the into their examination that without question that I was exposed to Agent Orange nuclear radiation and chemical weapons. And the VA doesn't want to use it. They'll do everything they can to stall it. And these are companies outside the VA. Uh, some yeah. of them are contract companies. <laughs> That's what and we're I'm wondering about. If, if we're not running into a lot of trouble with that. You know, Bill, it took me in excess of five years to get my a copy of my claims folder that would 
halfway make sense. <laughs> well, let, let me, Gerald, let me, re, let me touch on that. What you just said, had I not, and I want to bring this up, and please, veterans out there, listen carefully to this. The first time you get your C file, when you request it, it doesn't cost you anything. It's free. Well, several years after I got my original C file, of course, the veteran C file grows as your information is put into it grows. Well, I've requested a second copy. It cost me about uh, three hundred twenty dollars. If I had to do it now, it would cost me a thousand. So remember, the first time's free, the next time's on the veteran. And guess what? Had I not looked in that C file close, I had no idea of the QTC uh, doctor uh, examination that went over and and did his opinion, and it was absolutely 100% totally exactly in my favor. And they had no choice but to award. They couldn't ignore the medical and all of the tests and all the medical opinions and the evidence. And he was a, he did a great job. He, but he did his job. That's what I'm trying to say. And the contract companies sometimes, you know, can work in favor of the veteran, but you don't know that until you get a copy of it. It's going to take your congressman. You have to ask your congressman. What happens every time you get your congressman, though, it works against you in another thing, and I think this needs to be changed, that the veteran's file goes to another stack, and you have to pretty much start over in a new position. You don't go back to your old position. In waiting, any time that we've got, if if you've got to wait, I know we've heard uh, John Dorley and has told me on the air with y'all that that the, it shouldn't take this long to get decisions back, and if we should take that long, we need to get a new VSO. Well, here's what I've got to say about that. I agree with John about that, John Dorley, but I also mm-hmm think that the VA regional office never should put anybody in that type of position, whether it's a representative or whether it's a veteran. They're not doing their job. And shame on Congress for not following up on this. I sat in 2007 and watched uh, Jim Nicholson, the secretary of the VA, under the House Veteran Affairs Committee hearing, sit there and told them under oath that the uh, uh, decision waiting time was 178 days and he's trying to get it down to 145 days and several members on the committee jumped up and were irate and said we find that absolutely appalling and we cannot accept that that is no way to treat our veterans I would love to see us back to that year of a hun- of of 178 days back in 2007. Uh, I'm waiting. I've been waiting years for some decisions. I have not gone to the BVA yet. I've been ten got years fighting. You, Bill. Got some homework what? for you, Bill. I got yeah. some homework for you. Okay. Did you check in to that doctor that had your? Uh, <laughs> Hold on just a minute. I can't hear if something was ringing. Oh, well, that sounds like Gerald's no getting ready to have a storm. Oh, I think passing. <laughs> okay, well, but, let me uh, wait a second. Okay, go ahead now, John. I can hear. The homework is hmm, see if you can just do some digging around that doctor that doesn't see a big exam that gave you such a Good evaluation and got you rated to that. Yeah. Was he yeah. the QTC? I wonder if you yeah. can find out. Uh, uh, just check see if he still has his job. <laughs> uh, I don't. That's a good question. 
<laughs> but I had another one with another company, um, Logistics Health Incorporated. I had another one that gave me an incredible CNP exam, and I mean, concerning that part of the claim, the VA is going to have to award it. Yep. But I have not heard a word about it. And that is another thing I'll bring up now that it's come to my mind. Thanks for bringing that, John, to me. But you know, do you know that the VA does not have to use that decision in the veteran's um, claim decision or award letter if they don't want to? And because it belongs to them, you may not get it, so you don't know that. The VA knows it, but the veteran does it. So just because you get a good uh, claim in and a strong C&P exam does not mean that the VA will use it in their decision process. They have either way. They can go either way with it. Yep, the evidence states they have to have overwhelming evidence to the contrary to get it out to you, Bill. Well, but who do they put the pressure on? They leave it to the veteran. He's got to be the one to do it because they're not. They want to make themselves look well, they like they're to, incompetent. They have to weigh the evidence. You know, they have to weigh the evidence. And yeah, but we they, got you, know, that's, you have That's why they don't the shop a lot. You know, they, see, they shop for negative opinions, in my opinion. I think they do, too. And when they get a good opinion that works in favor of the, of the veteran, they will. they don't have to use it. And you've got to get to a point in the process, appeals process system, maybe get to the BVA or further so that you could present that as evidence. Now, how many veterans out there are not aware that they don't have their complete C file and they may have a favorable opinion sitting in their C file and it's because they don't have their C file or the or a copy of a new C file that's reflective of a good opinion from a C and P exam that very well could win their case once they get to the court system and they get before a law yeah. judge, especially in the federal court. You see what I'm saying? Yep. And that's this is sad, John. That's why I'm saying this thing has so gotten so out of hand and so criminal. Shame on Congress. We can't blame Mr. Trump. He put he put one of the best people he could get in there. We got a good one in Secretary of VA, but he is such an honorable man and a fine man. He doesn't know what he's dealing with in these regional offices. When I have a decision review officer tell me, and I did not record the conversation, and I should have. He told me flat out, we are not going to award pulmonary hypertension. I don't care what the law says. <laughs> well, and now, the, what made him what? such an authority? <laughs> well, that, that's the power he had to say that. And, uh, he awarded didn't he? <laughs> yeah, but that's another story. That's another story, and I don't want to get into it, divulge right off the top of my head what happened. But let's just say that that guy ended up, he had to award it because he it was a law, 38 CFR. And I uh, will tell you that it did get awarded according to the law, but if, if he'd have had his way and kept it, I would not have been awarded that pulmonary hypertension under 38 CFRs under, when you look under the uh, uh, respiratory uh, clauses under the 38 CFRs. And when it says if you have core pulmonary, if you have a service-connected disease for COPD, restricted lung disease, or uh, pulmonary fibrosis, if you've got a service-connected disease of COPD, of restricted lung, or any of these others, and you have core pulmonary, right heart, right ventricle failure, or pulmonary hypertension, the veteran is to be awarded 100%. 
That's in the regulations, in the in the law. And when we have people yep. saying they're not going to obey the law, well, we've got we have anarchy, we have chaos, we have criminals, and those people need to be held accountable. If they don't obey the law, then John, Gerald, I guess we don't have to obey the law either, right? Well, no, we go no. we go to jail. Why don't they go to jail? That's why I'm. I'm so strong in what I'm saying about the regional offices and these service center managers that are supposed to control these people and make sure that the decision's right, and we have no reason to have a backlog of the magnitude we have or the waiting time to get a decision or even when you turn around and throw in the appeals process, which is another set of problems because of the continuous remands which should never happen. They should have got it right the first time. They send it back to the Board of Veteran Appeals after it goes through the remand, and if you find something else they did wrong, they remand it back. And we're in trouble. By then, it's 10 years. Or 15 years. Uh, I think after the third remand, it ought to be awarded. It's not the veterans' fault that the doggone VA cannot get their research right. They have all the records, all of them. And uh, there is no excuse for going over three remands. But three remands, Gerald, is still, and yeah, I agree, that'd be great. That's a long time. Takes forever. Yeah. You're talking 12, 15 years for three remands. Now, the second thing is, if you're going to give bonuses, and two years ago I believe it was 172 million dollars in bonuses given out because you're doing a good job, uh, somebody's robbing the bank. Can't give bonuses to people that aren't doing good jobs unless you fudge the numbers and make it look like you're giving performance status to these people. Now, if we're not going to get it under control, the next phase of this thing is that the veteran is going to wait 10 years to get a decision his first time around. That's where we're heading. We're not going the other direction, reducing the time to get a decision. Not really. They're lying about it on their daily morning report record and their accuracy levels of 93%. That's to fudge Congress, and it, they're lying to Congress. So what what do you do? You can't just keep firing the secretary of the VA because of his job. He's got enough to worry about with the other departments, with the cemetery and burial uh, division and the Veterans Health Administration. Those are separate entities uh, than the Veteran Benefits Administration. I, I hear veterans all the time when I have to go to the clinic, and they say, oh, that VA, I'm so sick of these doctors, I can't get my claim moving, and they ruled against me two years ago, and I haven't gone anywhere. I try to explain, look, it's not the doctor's fault. Please don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's the Veterans Benefits Administration you're mad at. It has nothing to do with the Veteran Health Administration or the Veterans Burial Administration. That's right. So it's totally different. And until the veteran educates himself, and let me tell you that these radio programs that you guys have with on Had It and that I've been fortunate to be a part of for a long time with T-Bird and all the folks there, it, it is a tool. If the veteran wants to use it, he's got an incredible tool to use with incredible horsepower and incredible wealth of knowledge. And knowledge is wealth, and that's the only way you can play this game with them. If you just want to sit back and and let somebody else do it for you, you're going to find out the veteran service officers are few and far between, and the people that do know what they're doing are very, very busy. 
and may not be able to take you on. But through the power of information, through this program, uh, you're able to hear not only the radio program, but the written programs that T-Bird has on Hadit.com, that you're able to go in and access this information and find out that there's other people just like you and me, Gerald and John, and have to go through these things, and we learn by our mistakes or the mistakes of others. Hopefully we don't make the same mistakes that others make, because most of them are catastrophic mistakes that the veteran never even knew existed, but the regional office did. And they use it to their advantage to deny, delay the veteran until he dies and fights with him. And again, this goes back to Congress, both the House and the Senate. And it wasn't too long ago, and I'm going to start getting a little political here. Folks remember who was the head of the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee, who was the chairman of that committee uh, seven, eight years ago. Bernie Sanders. So do you actually believe Bernie Sanders would have made a good president? Or for that matter, Hillary Clinton, like she really cares? No. We've got one person that has stepped forward and said they care about our veterans, and that's been Donald Trump. Now, what in the world was Bernie Sanders going to do if he sat all these years on the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee and didn't do a thing? Now, am I right? Am I, John, am I right about Bernie Sanders and Gerald? Am I right about what I'm saying? Well, Bernie Sanders, he was supposedly going to give everybody free stuff. So why didn't he uh, give some veterans uh, a little bit better benefits or help oversee the... uh, Veterans Administration, like which was his job, uh, and uh, some of this mess out. Well, he was in a position to help the veterans, and he, he was did in not. A position. Yeah. So, how in the world am I going to vote for a man that didn't help the veterans when you had the power to do it, or at least start changing stuff? Yeah. Now, I'm very, I'm very concerned for Dr. Shulkin because I personally, I, I read up on this man. He is a very fine human being. He is a decent man. He is not going to stand by and allow people to get away with criminal activity. However. He doesn't really know what's going on because he's looking at the whole VA picture, the Veterans Cemetery and Bureau picture. He's got to look at the Veterans Health Administration, which is the division he came out of. That has its own set of problems and is a huge organization. And then he has to worry about the VBA. <coughs> Pardon me. So we see these bonuses going to nothing. They're not worth nothing. But they're tax dollars. I think that if if Mr. Trump will stay on this thing and we complain hard enough to Mr. Trump, he's going to start putting focus on that regional office. How many... Regional offices are sitting there right now listening to this program, and their ears are on fire because I'm talking about stuff that they do not want the veteran community to listen to or know about. Folks, we're talking the inner working parts of the VA, and until you know what these ROs are doing, and service center managers doing. And by the way, when they get a scandal in one of the regional offices, the first thing they do is ship the service center manager out. They move them to another regional office, and the process of of corruption and illegal activity starts over again. Am I right or wrong? 
Yeah, that's the around in one place scenario that they want to follow. <coughs> and we got, uh, we got serious problems. It shouldn't problems. be that way, really. No. No, the people should be, be held accountable. They are public servants. They serve the public. And they're supposed to be serving the public in an honorable way and in a way that is going to help trim their cost, keep their cost down, not inflated. But I've learned if you let government get going in a wrong direction, they never decide to correct it. They don't want to. If you give them $100,000, they're going to use that and come back with their handout for more. There's the bonus system getting abused. It's going to get more. And I don't have a problem with the bonus system, but let's make sure that they have earned it, that they're held accountable. So when when we have a budget and the VA is looking at that budget and they say, well, we can only give out X amount of claims this month to award the veteran his benefits because we only have this much left of the pie in the budget, then we got a problem. We'll never have a problem with asking for more money because Congress has had a very good habit of taking care of our veterans through the VA when they have asked for more money. The problem is that they aren't good with managing the money because of what we see going on, whether it's the collapsing of a hospital that did not get built, that went over budget by twice the amount that it was afforded to build, or the fact that the regional offices have to budge on the uh, amount of work that they are doing that is whether they say it's correct or whether we know by the numbers of veterans who are complaining that it is not correct, then we have to deal with that. So the budget continues to run and escalate, but there is nobody held accountable. There would be a, I think there is a time to raise the budget high enough to make sure that the veterans are taken care of without a long battle. But when we look at the people that are, most veterans say, I don't have time to fight with the VA and continue to battle with them for 8 or 10 or 12 or 15 years, I've got a life to try to live and try to stay alive. But that's how the system works. They want you to pass away. They no longer want you in their system. When they pay 25,000 veterans in one year, they pay 25,000 veterans award them their benefits and service connected service connection within 30 days of their death somebody needs to go to jail that's not what this country is about and i believe that we've got to right the ship now if we don't we'll never have another president who is concerned as this one is about where our government is gone. I want no more politicians running for president. I want people coming off the street like Mr. Trump or John Stacy or Gerald or myself. <laughs> where we're not connected to the politics and bureaucrats. Bill, thank you for calling in, buddy. You really, really made the show tonight. Well, I'm, I'm here to help because I had some help from you and Gerald over the years in a time that I was really needing it, and I want to be there for my veterans like y'all are. Good deal. Thank you for having me on. All right, thank you, Bill. Gerald, there's about a minute left, buddy. Well, by golly, I'd say we're just nearly out of time. And, Bill, we do appreciate you calling in, and... uh uh you know, keep up the pipe. That's the line I can say. Yeah, never we'll give up, the word folks. And get to as many veterans as we can. And try to 
advise them properly, and uh, let's hope we can help some more. Amen. So thank, thank you, fellas. God bless y'all. God bless you, Bill. And ladies and gentlemen, that's all. Be Gerald Cook with Jay Basser. We'll be signing off for now. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Basser Show. <laughs>